Welcome to the Grazing Grass Podcast, episode 27. Start somewhere, ask questions. Um, if you think you can't do it, find somebody that's doing it. You're listening to the Grazing Grass Podcast, helping grass farmers learn from grass farmers. I'm Cal Hardage, your host. On today's episode, we have Ross Matheson of Out Home Farm. He's in Texas and he runs hogs and cattle. I think he's got a few layer hens as well. We really focus on hogs today and we talk a little bit about his cattle. And then we come back for our overgrazing section, which we really dive in deeper to his hogs and farrowing on pasture. I think you're going to enjoy it. Ross, we want to welcome you to the Grazing Grass Podcast. We're excited you're here today. Thank you, Cal. I'm glad to be here and uh, look forward to our conversation. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your operation? Well, I would say we're pretty new to this uh, mindset. A little background. Uh, I was born and raised on the property I'm on now, which uh, is 300 acres in uh, Freestone County. We're about 90 miles south of Dallas and 120 miles north of Houston, pretty much halfway in the middle on uh, Interstate 45 in Texas. So um, I was born and raised here um, after high school, joined the Marine Corps, was, did that for four years and landed uh, back here. And I ended up on 10 acres that's uh, kind of an annex of the 300 acre property and uh, started grazing, or I say grazing, I started raising fallow deer and uh, did that for about um, 10 years and it was something different it kind of with 10 acres I was like I can't really do anything with cows I had some chickens at the time and uh, I just wanted something that looked like it was supposed to be on the property so I would rotate those um, in about three acre paddocks I guess you would call them and uh, about every 30 days I would rotate them and it was kind of neat to watch them because the browse line came up on the trees and then the uh the, there was no weeds in the oh, pasture yes. they would you know they eat the weeds before they eat the grass so that helped us in this uh, process. Um, and then through that, um, I uh, went through a divorce. And whenever I, that was wrapping up, I had sold everything. I didn't have anything on the property. And I really didn't know what to do and what livestock on the land was going to look like. And uh, I guess you could call it a Craigslist ad gone bad. Oh, yeah. I purchased, or actually I didn't purchase them. I found them in a friend of mine. He actually purchased the first three pigs with the agreement that he would purchase them and we'd keep them on my property. Oh, yes. And whenever it was time to butcher, he'd have one, I'd have one, and then the other one we would do something with. And that was kind of the agreement. Uh, we were either going to, like, make sausage or something. Uh, we've made sausage for, I think we're on, like, our sixth or seventh year. Oh, we do, yes. like, a yearly sausage weekend that we just make three to 400 pounds of sausage. So that was the plan with those pigs. Well, anybody that knows anything about chicken math, <laughs> the same applies for pigs. So oh, then yes. a few months we had... Uh, I think seven pigs total. We decided we were going to breed these pigs. It was easy. Life was good when they were a couple months old. And as they got bigger and started tearing up the pasture and uh, all that kind of stuff, we at that time we still had them on like, we had a few panels and we kind of moved them around. And we were kind of, I was afraid of electric fence just because I, as a kid, we had had it in places and I don't think our grounding was right. And looking back at it as what I can remember, it wasn't probably done properly so <laughs> i i have the same experience with electric fence as a kid i mean it never worked i think everybody does um <laughs> yes 
that are just it's come a very long way over the past you know decade or two and that oh, probably yes. had a lot to do with it is it yeah probably a combination there uh yeah. so then we decided to get some electric fence and uh, we started out um with a i think it was like a parmac six solar six i think was what they call that and we uh would just set t-post and we'd run just some like uh 14 gauge uh galvanized wire and t-post and some of those just tractor supply two dollar step in posts that last oh yes maybe three months if that <laughs> yes so that's kind of where it began and uh we sold some meat the first time we took i think five of the seven we took to the processor and we kept two um and then well back up there was one we bought two boars and to figure out which one we were going to use and then to breed with the other one that was kind of our uh, research and development plan so that was just a on-farm oh, yes. slaughter and we enjoyed it and we were like okay we love this pork we love the flavor the texture all that kind of stuff so from there we took two gilts and bred them and then we started thinking like what do we do how are we going to do this what are we going to build and uh um, we'll kind of go into this our pharaoh process later on in our segment um, but so from there those two gilts we had i think 17 piglets out of those two litters so then oh, yes. the cycle kind of started <laughs> and uh we grew we sold a few of those for feeders not as many as we had planned and then uh we luckily i kind of knew a few people in the barbecue industry through some friends and stuff so i reached out to some barbecue joints and visited some local barbecue joints and we did some uh whole hog cooks with the, with them and in that we found um pretty much kind of a community and we've made some great friends along you know from an industry i never thought i would be in we were uh one of the barbecue joints the night before and they were like what is your part in the industry and i'm like uh we're just the farmers that raise the pig oh yes yeah. so <laughs> yeah it's made for some fun and fellowship there and uh we've met some great people from texas tennessee even up into uh kansas city so it's that portion of it was pretty cool as well oh yes sounds like it would be so that's kind of the story behind the pigs and then uh, we have always had uh some land hens and uh, we keep those in a i've overbuilt a eight by 16 chicken tractor i kind of went off uh was it john i think it's scovish scove you know, any way you say it will be better than my attempt. I'm just going to leave it at that, so I don't... <laughs> okay. Let's see. His website's um, Farm Solutions. Yes, that guy. Yes. So... I, I will put his link to his website in our show notes, and I'll make sure I have the right one there. Perfect. That works for me. I'll take it. Yeah. So I took his plans and overbuilt this thing. I built it with... Uh, I want to make it pig-proof was my... Oh, yes. Thought. So I built it out of some uh, two and three eighths uh, drill stem pipe uh, or tubing pipe. Um, yes. And then. That's a little bit bigger than that three quarter inch conduit he uses. Okay. Yeah. It's a lot heavier. <laughs> and uh, um, some friends of mine had a duck blind that they hadn't used in years and they were going to scrap it. And I was like, don't do it. I'll take it. So I took that and it had some like two inch angle iron in it. It had some, uh, I'm not sure what all it was made out of some uh channel some angle and then i actually took some uh sea perlin and some of the two by four six foot 20 foot long uh two by four like horse i think they call them horse panels 
and I took one of those oh, and cut yes. it and cut it in half, and we use that for the sides and the front. So it's three foot tall. The peaks at six foot, and then it has uh, just regular R panel galvanized or galvalume R panel for the top. And then we've got some. Oh, okay. Then we got some canvas tarps that we drop down on the side. So we move that with our chickens, and uh, we use that kind of as their house. And then we have a one of the 165 foot rolls of uh, Premier One. Uh, I think it's the Premier One Plus poultry netting. At the time when we got it, it's the only oh, thing yeah. you could get. So it's the more heavy-duty one, which yes. works perfect. Um, so we move that thing probably. I try to move it twice a week, but the reality of it, it probably gets moved once a week um, just oh, due yeah. to that. You know, we're pretty small scale, and this is – I don't want to call it a hobby because it is more of a business, which that kind of wasn't the plan at the time when we started it. It just turned into it. And having a full-time job and trying to do this, you got to find that balance. You are exactly right with that, yes. So from there, um, we also have uh, a herd of South Pole cattle and some South Pole cross cattle that uh, we purchased. That was our uh, COVID purchase. You know, a lot of people went out and bought this and that, and we bought a herd oh, of yes. South Pole cattle from a guy. So <laughs> There you go, yes. Yeah. It came, luckily though, it came with some steers ready to go, and it actually came with uh, dates and a processor so oh it was a, nice it was a good purchase um before we had made the purchase uh, another farm that we had worked with we actually used their boar um just because of our acreage and the amount of gilts to me it, the economics of having a boar on the property just doesn't make sense just because in the past you know if we ever tried to separate them or anything like the boar is going to get to those gilts oh yes it really doesn't matter what how, you have in between them how many gilts do you have now or sows uh, so right now we have one sow and I've got five feeder pigs. Which oh yes, three of those are gilts and um, two of them are boars that we're they're like on the calendar to get cut pretty soon. Oh yeah, close to that weight. Um, but out of those, we will keep two of those gilts to kind of keep our cycle. Oh yes, uh, which I'll go into a little bit more later. Okay, very good. Tell us a a little bit about the type of land you're running in your hog zone. So the the hogs right now we keep on uh, ten acres um, here at where we live on the I guess you call it the homestead, and uh, we have kind of used those to open up and create a a more silvo pasture. Oh um, yes. At the beginning we put them on one of those uh, two it was like a two acre uh, paddock that we used that uh, the fallow deer. So it was nothing but bahia grass. Oh and okay. I'm not a fan of bahia grass. The seed blows it, and it's growing. Oh, yes. It's, you know, I mean, it's a good forage, but I just, you know, it it serves a purpose, but in when you have a yard, you're trying to, like, mow bahia grass weekly. It just doesn't make sense. <laughs> yes. The economics aren't there. So I use the pigs to just kind of destroy that pasture to see what would come up. Oh, yes. And so we did that, and uh, I've actually got some seed. I've got to go this my next uh, six days off stint, I'm actually going to go borrow uh, some friends' no-till drill, and I've ordered green cover seeds. So I um, ordered 20 pounds of their uh, Chaos Garden. So we're going to try a little Gabe Brown experiment oh, in, yes. uh, down in Texas. We're going to see how it goes. I talked to Noah, the seed rep, and he said that there's been a few people that have tried it down here. So we're going to try that um, in the front to see what we can do, and mainly just for an experiment. Um, we'll use some of the, you know, the crops out of it 
veggies for ourselves, and the rest we'll uh, feed to the pigs and then we're gonna use um, that experiment just to kind of build the soil up a little bit better before we uh, either plant an orchard or put in a uh, more of a go back to a native grass oh yes um, like a grassland mix is the plan so now after we kind of that was where we started with them for a year we just kind of blocked it off and ran them through it and then after we moved them out of there we'd throw down oats and um, a mix of swiss chard radishes turnips carrots just a bunch of root crops just to like let those roots just kind of break up the soil as well um, and then as we moved to the pigs to the next uh, little strip we kind of strip grazed it or strip rooted it i guess oh, you yes. could say it and then uh so we went through it and then kind of recreate it about a day before we were going to turn them we'd throw that stuff out and kind of let them root it up and uh we just rotated them back through it and uh we'd pick some of the goodies for ourselves and the rest we'd like let the pigs do that and then um that's how kind of we found uh the fruits of the poops as i call it um we noticed that anything that we fed the pigs any pumpkins uh squash anything like that um either from either our waste or just stuff that we fed them right if you feed a pig a seed or anything with a seed it's going to grow so um, we've had we found squash pumpkins tomatoes all different kinds of stuff in our pasture so it's kind of fun to just walk out there and see what you're going to see yes a year yeah and it can be three months to a year after pigs have been in that area oh yeah Um, so then we rotated into the back of the property and there was some kind of brush brambles so we went through let them kind of tear that up root through that more of a kind of a forest pork i guess you would say and eat the acorns and then we went through and started selectively picking which trees we wanted to leave which saplings kind of we thought would make a better tree as we harvest you know take one of them out for firewood or something if they just get too big so we're using those to create a more of a native SIBO pasture oh yes Um, so we've rotated them um, through that and then now we're trying to figure out which is the next piece they're going to go if they're going to go to woods or more of a pasture area um, we're still trying to figure out what the next area is we'll pick an area for pretty much a year and rotate them around in that section until we feel like we've got it um, the way we kind of want it to look and we'll level it out and stuff and uh, reseed it as well with oats and different things before they come back into it so how big of a paddock are you giving your hogs so the hogs we kind of give them we start with about probably two to three acres oh yes Um, and like i said with our low numbers we'll just kind of pick an area and leave them there for a week or so sometimes we've left them there for a month just kind of depending on what it looks like and you know how it's doing oh what kind of the what we're trying to do with that land if we're trying to just let them root around and see what seeds are in that seed bank that are going to emerge or um or if we're just like i said in this like wooded area it's mainly just to let them keep rooting around and uh um, we'll also we'll put out some hay bales in there for them to root around in those hay bales and actually spread that out as well oh yes and while you you've got your pigs going what are you feeding them so we actually uh we use a mill in uh tony's feeding seed in munster texas so we make a long haul drive um and pick that stuff up we uh it's actually where we get our poultry feed as well oh yes on your your paddocks and moving the hogs what are you doing for watering the reason we've kind of stayed here is we've got um, water. Um, we use just our regular community water 
here. We don't have a well or anything. Oh, and, yes. uh, so with it, for watering-wise, uh, we use we found the best way to work that works for us is we take uh, some 55-gallon plastic barrels. And with those barrels, we'll take and put in a, uh, a bulkhead kind of fitting. Yes. Um, you can find some like sta- uh, some brass ones. Uh, I'll buy them off Amazon. I can send you that link. Oh, okay. That'd be great. We'll include that in the show notes. Awesome. And then uh, I'll put a nipple on that, and and we'll just fill those up. And about every two to three days, we'll top it off. Or if we're getting ready to move them, we'll let them drain it down so we don't waste any of that water. Oh, yeah. And then, uh, well, we probably put it up about maybe six inches, so just in case it does get some debris or something falls down in there. Most of them, I've drilled the hole and used a string to kind of get the uh, bulkhead fitting down through there without having to cut the lid oh, so yeah. not that much debris goes into oh, it well, yes and then also in the summer months we add about every second or third time we fill it up we'll add a gallon of apple cider vinegar and uh, we saw a big difference in our pigs in the summertime they just i just think you know with as hot as it gets down here i don't know if it just there's something in the apple cider vinegar that just help them they just had a little bit more pep in their step and they seemed to accept this heat oh yes and just do better in it are you using a certain brand of the apple cider vinegar or just whatever's available uh kind of just whatever's available um when it's possible i get it from uh, another farm um and they have it in bulk and i think oh, they actually yes. get it from the same place that uh that comes out of the brag oh yeah apple cider vinegar yeah. i believe if i remember right and uh they have it in totes so i'll just go get five or five gallons or so if I'm ever in their area. Oh, yes. What fencing are you using for your paddocks? Um, so our perimeter here on the 10 acres um, is a stay tough high tensile field fence. And so that's perfect. And then our interior fences, we use um, just poly wire or that galvanized uh, 14. Okay. Uh, just kind of depends what I have on hand. And if that area, if we're going to run them multiple times, sometimes we'll use the galvanized and Sometimes we'll use the poly, and I think in some places we actually have both on that. And we talked a little bit at the beginning, or before we got started, about your your fencing on that. How many lines or strands are you running on those paddocks? All right, well, so when we begin these pigs, we put them on four strands. So we do uh, 4-inch height, 8-inch, 14, and 24. And then if there's going to be our cattle, our close to it we'll run one at 36 just to keep them from being curious oh okay and then um, the reason we do the four is we don't really use panels to train them because they're it'd be hard to do if you know they're all our pigs are born in these paddocks in hay bales that's how we fare them out so the eight inch one we actually drive a grounding rod somewhere close to these and we actually hop that ground to that uh, second wire that's at eight inches so it only takes one or two times that they touch that and they respect it because if they get it up high at that four inch or that 14 as soon as it gets both it's gonna make them know they're gonna learn hey we don't go close to that yeah it's going to complete that circuit so four's running hot 14's running hot and eight is running your ground yes sir and then 24 yeah. and then, then like 24 i said is hot yeah yes sir and then as they get a little older and we move them, we'll go to um, three strands. The six inch will be hot. The 14 inch will be ground and the 24 will be uh, hot as well. Oh, okay. And by the time they're um, anything above that, once these, the pigs we've had 
once they hit about probably six months old, they've learned to respect it. And then if we do kind of venture out and maybe move them somewhere else that um, we'll just use two strands at 10 inches and 24 inches. And both of those are hot. And um, we've actually even used these, uh, kept some of these gilts uh, behind one strand at 14 inches. We have kind of another area that they were in and we moved them to the back of the property. And I was kind of curious how we were going to do this. And I was like, well, we're just going to run one line and we just herded these pigs like you would cattle. Oh, yes. Let's talk about what breed of hogs are you using? So we use red wattles. Um, when we started out, we started out with the red wattles. And then um, our second purchase of uh, pig math was some red wattles. And then a couple were a red wattle, large black cross. Oh, yeah. With that breed, there's so much more like just fat. They're a lot. They're just a, more of like a lard type pig. Oh. And for what we we're trying to do, yes. we just felt like. If we were going to raise these, we wanted to stick true to one breed. And the red wattle breed, it's, you know, it's harder to find. As we started trying to find a boar, I called many breeders that are, you know, registered breeders and some registered breeders, some non-registered. And the problem we had that I found in Texas is um, wild boars, wild pigs are getting in and uh, just wrecking havoc on some of these uh, heritage pigs, you know. You can bring in brucellosis. Oh, yes. I know a guy that raised some. Uh, he actually, whenever we purchased our first three, he purchased two of them. Um, and he actually had them get, one of his gilts got bred by a wild pig. And then um, one of the other ones, they oh, actually, no. he ferreted them out. And uh, they actually, you know, they used them for their personal consumption. And they said it was actually a pretty good end product. So. Oh, yes. Um, but then one of the other ones, they process they took to a processor and were planning on selling that and it actually had brucellosis so they were weren't able to go that route so um knock on wood we haven't had any problems and i think part of it is our uh, perimeter fence has a lot to do with it oh yes as well as uh we have two livestock guardian dogs and i think they help keep everything at bay as well oh yes do the livestock guardian dogs stay uh, just with the hogs, they, they're around your chickens. How are they? I mean, I think that's the goal with livestock guardian dogs, but these, uh, one of them is a full Pyrenees, one is a half Pyrenees, and uh, they go where they want to go. So, <laughs> yes. And, uh, yes. I mean, one of them more of a guard dog is more of a farm pet. That's what I would say. He's more oh, of a yes, mascot. Yes. <laughs> there you go. But still, yeah, just them being there. They're going to do a lot to guard your animals, even if they're not quite in the right spot. Yes, they will. When they're not traveling. They like to take uh, <laughs> road trips every now and then. We've actually spotted them or have uh, sightings of them uh, five miles as the crow flies from our property. Oh, wow. So Yes. Sadly, I've been there. Now, let's move over to your cattle for just a little bit, and then we'll come back to the pigs for our deep dive in a little while. Tell us what you're doing with your South Pole cattle. All right. So well, right now, our, our South Pole cattle, we've got, um, when we purchase them, um, we purchase them, the uh, gentleman or the family, they were a all-natural grass-fed beef, grass-fed and finished oh, beef yes. operation. And uh, they had it set up. Um, they decided that it was time to uh, move to the lake. So we actually were able to purchase their cattle. Um, all the fencing on the property, it was, uh, it's 90 acres. It's 
kind of like you drew a, a rectangle and you took and long ways put three fences to make it four blocks. That's the way the property is set oh, okay. up. And actually, um, I don't use the water currently. It's got uh, it's got a two-inch water line between the first and second block and the third and fourth block. Oh, okay. But I just back graze to ponds that are on the place and just go that route just for logistics. I'm afraid that if something was to happen and I wasn't able to get there to move them one day or something and, you know, something happened to the well and them not have access to water or something happened and I've got a water leak and oh yes, I'm just kind of fearful for that. So we just back graze to water um, is what we're currently doing there on that property. When I'm off, I'll try to move them um, every two to three days is the goal. But whenever I'm off, I'm not able to move. Or when I'm working, I'm not able to get out there like I was. Um, yes. At the beginning, I was moving them every day. Um, every day I'd come home, get off work. I would drive 20 minutes there, spend 20 minutes moving them, drive back 20 minutes. And um, the economics weren't there. That, that commute's so, a killer. Yes, sir. Now I was able to take over about 40 acres of the family land right down the road. Oh, yeah. So it's a two-minute commute. So I'm in the process right now of getting that set up. I've, I've got five acres across the road set up um, so I can do daily moves with electric oh, fence. Yes. I, uh, it was already fenced on. Uh, if you like made a block L, I just had to put in two sides okay. of electric fence. And then I've moved actually moved it through it. At December, I was supposed to be off that 90-acre lease. And then... Um, some stuff fell through. The buyers that were supposed to buy it pushed the uh, date back. So I moved everything off and was getting ready to take the fence down and then found out I was able to lease it back. <laughs> so I took the cows off for a week and then moved the cattle back out there. Oh, yes. And do you know how long you have it for now or is it kind of just up in the air a little bit, but you have it till it's not available? I have it till it's not available and we're doing six months leases on it oh yes um but the the goal is is to get this 40 acres set up so i can just bring all the cattle there oh yeah is my my end goal and we'll see what it looks like come may um there's this 40 acres it's probably i would say 60 percent grazable and then the rest is wooded but it's some areas are um i'm going to go in there and uh, actually my plan is to move uh the two barrel hogs are pigs over there to that pasture and kind of let them root up some and kind of create to kind of open up some briars and oh, stuff yeah. um, before then I can either get a tractor in there possibly a mulcher it just kind of depends what what's going on and if I can uh, if I feel like that the economics are there bringing in a mulcher versus just using the pigs yes and and what you mentioned there's what I've thought about personally was getting a few pigs and and sending them through some some wooded area I have leased that you can't even walk through because of the briars and and other stuff. I don't I don't even know what all the stuff is that pokes me as I try and walk through there. Whew. I understand we have some places <laughs> like that as well. Yeah, let's go ahead and move to our overgrazing section. And we were talking about this earlier. What are we going to talk about in our deep dive today? Um, I know you're big into pigs and I've heard, you know, some of the other listeners and I feel like this podcast is more geared to cattle. So I think it's kind of neat to do a bigger dive in the pigs. I think, um, for multiple aspects, if you, you know, if you're doing a multi-species farm ranch, whatever you want to call it an operation, 
Um, I think the pigs have a place in all of these if, you know, you have the time for them. And the biggest thing that I think is, you know, with cattle, you don't have a feed expense. You know, if you're, they're just on grass, you know, yes, yes, you have some expense there, but there's not a daily input cost like there is with pigs. Right. Um, You know, there is that with chickens, but they're shorter time frame. They're not a, you know, if you're doing a pasture broilers, you've got them for what, eight weeks? I think maybe 10 to 12 if you're doing some of those, those other slow breeds. Growing, not, yes. The slow growers, yes, sir. But um, with the pigs, you're going to, inv- you have a big investment because um, you're going to have, you're going to feed this pig out depending on what I've seen anywhere from six months to um, the way that we do ours. It takes us about 10 months to finish oh, these okay. pigs out to get them where we want them. So I'm going to jump in there, Ross, just a second. So taking you about 10 months, what weight are you starting them out? Weight are you finishing at? So we are starting with piglets born on our property. Oh, okay. And so then, piglets born yes, there? Yes, sir. And then we're um, shooting for about um, 180 pound, 180 to 200 pound hand weight. So that's about 260, oh, okay. 280 live weight. Oh, okay. So pretty big fat hog. Yes, sir. And then, but one thing you have to really consider is, is you're going to have, um, 50% of your investment in these pigs is going to be in feed, unless you think outside of the box. I know some, some people that, um, team up with some, uh, grocery stores and some like, uh, kind of grocery markets and stuff and they get their waste and they have, but, but in that they say like, if they're not there every day, they're going to lose that agreement. So, you know. There's a cost in there as well. It makes it difficult for uh, someone who's got a off-the-farm job to pick that yes, up. Yes, definitely. That. Um, so 50% of your costs come from there. So one thing we've done to get that cost down is um, we are actually farrowing these gilts out in hay bales in our wooded areas of our property. Um, and with that, we've seen amazing um, recovery um, just because the pig gets to be a pig. If it... If these wild pigs can do it oh, yes. in the wild, why can't we do it with these heritage breed hogs? So um, I actually got that idea from uh, uh, low cooling farms in Louisiana. Um, I followed them on Instagram and uh, oh, okay. reached out and just said, yes, or that's all it is, is just a hay bale. She was like, yeah, just put out three of them. If you have two pigs, put out three and they'll pick two. And then they'll end up kind of cleaning that other one up as well. And sure enough, um, we sourced our hay from a uh, reclaimed uh, mine land. So it had a lot of vetch, oh, yeah. clover, blue stems, kind of those native grasses. Right. I mean, you could see by the time they took that hay bale, it probably was scattered in like a, probably a 20 foot circle. And that next spring, it was amazing. We had vetch oh, and yes. clover up knee high. So it just, it made sense not only for you know not having to worry about having a shelter or a farrowing crate or anything um and that first round with those uh gilts because they were you know smaller framed and they weren't a big sow we had no losses we didn't have them roll over on anything like we had no no issues at all out of uh 17 pigs born on the property they raised out all 17 we never lost one which kind of leads me into the deep dive of the the cycle that we do with these pigs is is we had one guilt that we you know she was an amazing mama she ended up raising hers and some of the other ones accepted some of the other litter which you know i mean at one time we saw every one of her tits being 
nursed. Like they were just and some fighting over oh, them. They yes. would all nurse her. So we uh, kept her, and then uh, she ended up faring early. We were out of town. We were in Colorado, and uh, she had a big litter as well. We really don't, aren't for sure. Um, the uh, friend of mine that I kind of started the pigs with is when we brought in the cattle. Um, I we just kind of cleaned up our partnership, and then. Um, I uh, started um, Out Home Farms at that point uh, whenever we brought the cattle in oh, yes. this past June. So he still is a big part of it. He's always here to help. And uh, so he, ta- he takes care of stuff while we're away, if we're traveling or anything. So he was here and he was in his pictures. And, you know, at that time, that sow probably weighed, I'm going to guess on the light side, anywhere from 650, 700 pounds. Oh, yes. And we did lose some pigs. It's kind of a, it makes you question, you know, their, your thought process and all that is, are you being a good, you know, not only a land steward, but also, um, a, you know, a steward to the livestock. Right, so, yes. Um, when that, with that happening, um, this kind of was a thought. I'd read it somewhere and I can't find it. I've tried to go back to it to share this with some uh, some other people. There was an article I found about this farm and I, I want to think they were somewhere up north and they... They'd start with these pigs. I'm going to start it at the pigs. So they okay. start these pigs, and they would they would um, raise these pigs. And at eight months, the the gilts that they were going to keep as breeders, they would breed those gilts to a boar. Okay. <clears throat> and then the rest of them, you know, they'd finish them out till they're ten months, and then they would harvest those barrows and gilts. And then those those gilts. So at um, the gestation periods three months three day three three months three weeks and three days so when the math comes out with that at um at eight months old you're looking at about a year old roughly when they're gonna have their their first pharaoh and then at that they're still relatively small so from what we've experienced we haven't had any losses in them you know rolling over any anything like that on any of these uh piglets so then um you're at eight eight months you raise these you know the piglets or stay on the mom and then when you wean the pigs you give her a recovery time and then you go ahead and take her and harvest her and then that's kind of where you get you know she's a little bigger so you get your sausage cuts out of her and then you start this cycle over with these piglets oh yes yeah so um that's the direction we're heading um economically it makes sense we during covid and trying to find you know spots were hard to come by we oh, they were. ended up when we got some um some of our what were supposed to be you know pigs they were some hogs i mean we had some 500 pound hanging weight oh wow um, pigs and and you know you think oh yeah that's big well when you pay that hanging weight that includes the fat and you know oh, some yeah. of these processors you have to pay to process to package the fat and you know other stuff so by the time you get it you don't have the return in your investment on those bigger pigs. So it just makes sense, you know, the way that we do it in our numbers and calculations, um, this cycle that we're going to try, um, we actually, uh, we have a partner farm, um, in Waxahachie that we use their, um, boar. Oh, yes. uh, Hillbilly, Hillbilly Nutrition. So we use their boar and actually Tracy and Gary, um, they're going to actually start this cycle as well. So we're going to have us doing it on a smaller scale. They have a bigger operation um, I think their goal is to raise like a, a 70 to a hundred pigs this year. Oh, okay. so they're going to yes. do it on a much larger scale than we are. 
So I'll let you know next year okay. if sounds this good. works better. It sounds, uh, like I said, I had read about it, and if I can find it, I'll uh, send you that link as well. But I've tried searching it for it quite a few times and haven't been able to find it. Now, when are you targeting to have those sows or gilts farrow? Well, we kind of just go based off of uh, at that eight months old. Yes. So we've actually had some farrow in March. We've had some farrow in October. And they're, pigs are resilient. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, um, the the McCoys, um, our hillbilly nutrition, they actually had some, you know, you're in Oklahoma, so I know yes. you experienced a few weeks ago the 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 whatever you want to call yeah, it. Yeah, that polar vortex that was, yes. They actually had pigs born in the middle of that, which they used oh. some. They farrow in huts, but um, okay. they they made it. They survived. Oh, yes. Oh, very good on that. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't want to have anything farrowing in that cold weather. I didn't want to have anything kevin or anything, but I had some cows I bought that were bred, and I had some kev right in the middle of that. Ooh. Now, on your hay bales, you're talking... Thousand pound bales, twelve hundred pound bales. Yes, they're just the. Uh, I think they're five by five, five by six. It's mainly just whatever I can. Um, okay. Whatever I can source. You put that hay in there for the the gilts of pharaoh in. How long are you leaving them in where that hay is before you move them on to somewhere else? I mean, so this last time I left them there for probably probably two months. I would say oh, before yeah. I moved them, maybe yeah. even three. So plenty of so time. So plenty of time, at, and and also I kind of look at it as that I want the pigs to be up moving in the woods rooting you know um doing everything that they can to be a pig and then uh but also i look at that hay bale and i want that hay bale to be broken down and pretty much you know spread out as much as it can and if that takes me going out there with a pitchfork and a rake and you know kind of shoveling it and moving around i'll throw it around and then let the pigs kind of root it up some more because you know the the theory behind it is is all they're doing is putting more carbon in the ground and, you know, creating more of a, um, a hummus just to, you know, just to, to build up our soils. Oh, yes. Very good, Ross. Enjoyed that deeper dive into your hogs. And like you said, we are not having too many pig producers on here on the podcast. And I really want to highlight different species for the people to know, you know, whatever they're interested in. Wherever they are, they can give it a go. Yes, sir. And I mean, I think that's one good thing that um, that I love about this, uh, just the regenerative agriculture movement. There's many facets of it, you know. Oh, yes. I know some people bring the permaculture into it. Um, one thing we do is uh, we've got a, uh, I think they call it the Back to Eden style garden. Oh, yes. Or a mulch, kind of a mulch garden. And we do that. And um, we've had excellent results. And like I said, we use it for our family as well as, you know, it's free pig feed. Oh, yes. And there's yeah. really not a whole lot of work in it, you know. There's no weeding. Um, I grew up with a truck patch garden, and I said I will never have a garden. And now <laughs> I have this yes. mulch bed that I love because I just walk out there and, you know, reap the benefits. I might spend an hour the whole kind of spring-summer season just, you know, weeding. It's amazing oh yes ross it's time for our famous four questions the same four questions we ask of all of our guests we'll start with what's your favorite grazing grass related book or resource it was kind of hard for me to pick this so i picked two (laughs) um okay sounds good but they have the same theme 
So I wanted them to, to match in theme. Yes. So I've got Gabe Brown's Dirt to Soil. And I think that's just, oh, you yes. know, it's it's just a good book. Um, to hear yes. these different experiences and here's, you know, kind of, I think out of all the books, it's a good summary of all aspects of what they're doing in their operation. Um, from the marketing oh, side yes. to the soil side, you know, it just kind of encompasses everything. And that's kind of like, I just think it's a great book. And then, um, you know, to kind of stick on track with the, the pigs and the hogs, I wanted to um, mention Dirt Hog by Kelly Kul- Culper. And when I got that book, it's not really regenerative agriculture-based book. It's more of just, I think it's Dirt Hog, how to get, how to raise pigs outdoors. But um, it's a oh, good yes. book just to kind of take a deep dive into it there's lots of um pictures there's some illustrations and um which therein i think he's in the midwest oh okay it's just kind of a good pig book in general and i was able to pull a lot of different knowledge out of that book very good obviously we've talked to about dirt to soil on the podcast before so i'm familiar with it um dirt hog i have not heard of i've just pulled it up here on amazon a hands-on guide to raising pigs outdoors naturally. Very good. Ross, our second question is, what tool could you not live without on your farm? Well, I was introduced by my neighbor to the Gallagher fence tester. Oh, yes. By the time, I think, I mean, I kept it for longer than I should. I'm sure he's going to listen to this and be like, yeah, you did. <laughs> um, so I, and then I had to purchase one and it was on back order. So I had to wait. So I'd have to go borrow his every now and then, but, oh, yes. um, you know, it's, it's good to have, it makes it a lot, um, makes it easier to find faults, um, which oh, yes. here it's not as bad, but our lease pasture, the way it's set up, I mean, it's, there's a few places that, you know, I'm constantly having to go back to just for like, just different things. And it's that fence, fence system's been there about, I think going on five or six years now. So I've had to change out a bunch of insulators and, oh, yes. you know, I feel like, you know, every time I go out there, as soon as I go in the gate, I'm, I'm hitting it going down. There's one kind of feeder fence on a bob wire fence and the way it's kind of runs, the wind catches it and it wraps it around that bob wire fence. So I've had to undo that oh, and yes. then, you know, or it's on the far side. So I would have to say that Gallagher fence tester has made it just makes electric fence easy. Oh, yes. Our third question, what would you tell someone just starting out on this journey? This is not my quote, but I want to read a quote that um, a good okay. friend, mentor, um, I actually found him on inter- on uh, Instagram, and I was following him. He He's just kind of a a pig guru. He's younger than I am. He's a young, young gentleman out of uh, North Carolina. But no, he was headed on a just a regular like industrial agriculture pig guy is where he was headed. And I think he said it was his junior year. Um, he just kind of started questioning some things and um, he kind of turned and went to a more um, kind of a regenerative mindset. And um, his name's Ryan Curtin. If you look him up on Instagram, his name's pork Ryan and it's uh, R Y R H Y N E. And he, we just call him pork ride. And um, anyway, I was at that time is whenever I was driving every day to that 
you know, that lease pasture, moving these and then coming back. And, um, Oh yes. He had sent me a text, you know, kind of like a, I was telling him like, you know, I'm just kind of getting, not, I don't want to say burned. I don't remember what was going on. He just checked in to see what was going on. And I was like, you know, I'm trying to do this and this, and I just, I'm spread out. And, uh, this was what he told me. And I think everybody out here needs to hear it. Um, in some form or fashion, I'm sure it'll, uh, I hope it touches them like it did me. Don't stress out beyond your means. Oh, yes. Do what you have to do to keep balance in your personal life. Remember, the farm isn't your life. It's a part of your life. Very true. Very true. And I think, you know, we have this mindset and drive. And, you know, I know there's, um, I can say this for myself. um, I look at this kind of experiment and hope there's others that, question what I'm doing and see how I'm doing it. And maybe they decide, you know what, I'm going to take a stab at this. You know, I'm going to try and stockpile some grass and maybe not cut as much hay or buy as much hay. Or maybe they just say, you know what, I'm just going to buy some, you know, run some hot wire or run some electric fence and buy a couple spools of poly. And I'm going to try this rotational grazing, or I'm going to take this hundred acre, um, pasture and you know break it into four sections and rotationally graze that way you know i think there's starting to be a paradigm shift in you know agriculture in general and i think you know i just hope that um maybe something i say something i share something i do can impact somebody else you know that's one thing i enjoy about this podcast is i've listened to probably every episode and there's something that i you know, resonated with or something I took away with it. So I just want to thank you for, for having this idea. You know, I know you were like, well, there's nobody you. in my area doing this. Right. I want to find people that do. So thank you for putting this group out there, you know, and giving somebody like me at a small scale, you know, space to share my story. You know, it was a little intimidating after, you know, you had reached out and Will Harris spoke, I think the week <laughs> after. And I was like, yes, okay, I guess I can try to, you know, stand oh, yes. up to this. You've done a great job, Ross. Um, yeah. Just speaking to that, because I, I just had that conversation earlier with a future guest about it. You know, I think there's value in people just starting, people that's been doing it a few years, people that's done it a decade, people that's done it multiple decades. Um, I just want to reach the gamut and show a wide variety, because if someone's thinking, Maybe I should try it. You know, looking at what some people's done, it's too far in the future for them. But if they can hear from someone who's who's not so far ahead of them, they think, oh, I can do that. I can take 10 acres. I can buy some hogs. I can get started on this and try it. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, so I shared that words of wisdom. So this is going to be mine. Is mine is just, you know, start somewhere, ask questions. Um, if you think you can't do it, find somebody that's doing it. Um, all the people that I've, you know, kind of connected with in this, I reached out to on Instagram and just said, this is my story. That's what's what I'm going on, you know? Yes. And, uh, there's been, um, multiple people that I've heard on this podcast that I've reached out to and, you know, had conversations with them and hopefully I'm going to get a chance to go tour their place or, you know, maybe take some of their courses. Um, oh, yes. So, that's one thing that I'll say is just ask. And 90% of the people out here is they're going to help you or they're going to 
steer you in a direction and help you along this journey. Oh, yes. Oh, I have to say the community is very helpful and very much willing to do whatever they can to help you be successful. Yes, sir. I will agree. Yep. And our last question, Ross, where can others find out more about you? All right. Well, we have, um, uh, we're on online at outhomefarm.com. And then uh, we're not on Facebook. I'm I'm going on about, I think, four years Facebook sober now. Oh, wow. So Very we're good. We're not on Facebook. <laughs> um, but we are on Instagram. Um, you can find me at, um, uh, at R.W. Matheson. And then the farm is at Out Home Farm. And my partner, Katie, she kind of runs that page. Um, oh, yes. I get on there every now, but that's kind of, I let her do it. My I would probably have some uh, errors or something oh, that yes. she wouldn't agree with. So I just <laughs> let her, I let her handle that. So we both have full-time jobs, so it's not, we're not on there probably as much as we should be, um, which uh, is why um, we do sell our meat. And then we also wholesale meat. So we team up with our beef with um, Hillbilly Nutrition. So you can check them out there on Instagram, um, Facebook. They have a website and they uh, sell direct to consumer and ship. So oh. we kind of leave that up to them. And we're um, that's kind of um, a future thing is we're going to kind of maybe they're going to we're going to kind of grow that with them um, and maybe add either add our pork to their offerings as well with their pork or we're going to kind of come up with a way for them to kind of help us in that direction because where we're located it just it doesn't make sense to drive you know three hours to go get dry ice to ship a box yeah or so that's the direction we're we're looking at heading very good ross and we'll put links to your sites and their sites in the show notes ross i've really appreciated you coming on here tonight and and sharing with us about your journey and about hogs. Um, I think this is the most I've talked about hogs in a while. Well, um, like I said, I'll let you know how this goes. And if okay. the cycle works like we say it will, we can make that another conversation. And um, that and if anybody good. out there needs, if they have any questions or want to chat, um, feel free to contact me, reach out. Um, you can fill out the contact on our website. And uh, when I get that, I can give you a call or reach out on uh, if you have instagram uh, either one of the accounts just shoot me a direct message and um as soon as i get it i will uh reach back out and we'll connect and like i said i'm open to chat if anybody needs any help i mean that's kind of like uh cal said this community i think is great about sharing information sharing resources and uh, anything i can do to help somebody else um that's what we're here to do I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. Ross did a wonderful job. And it was great uh, to to focus an episode of, on hogs and really dive in deep there and learn, learn more about it. As I've mentioned on the podcast, I have been considering getting some hogs. I think I've reached a conclusion for this season or this year. I am not going to do any hogs because my plate's pretty full. But it's definitely something I'm keeping my eye on for the future. And we're going to jump into a listener's question today. 
As always, if you have a question you'd like answered, visit our website at grazinggrass.com and click on Ask Your Question link. There you can pose your question. We've had a few responses, and they are wonderful. We will be working through those to answer those in the future, as well as we've talked about putting together an episode just for the questions. And just as a sneak peek, we are working on a roundtable discussion to answer one of the questions. However, let's jump to today's question. Today's question comes from Edward Condon. He says, Hi, Cal. I truly enjoy your podcast. I heard you self-identify as a Oklahoma State alumni, alumnus. Go Pokes! My questions for you are, would you consider OSU to be pro-regenerative ag? If so, to what extent? Which professors' extension agents are the most soil-centric, regenerative-oriented, enterprise stacking, etc.? Thank you very much. Edward, I appreciate your question. Sadly, I don't have a good answer for that. I graduated from Oklahoma State 25 years ago. Well, maybe 26 years ago. Time flies when you're having fun. At that time, there was very little conversation about rotational grazing or anything outside of conventional ag. OSU publishes a weekly ag show that's on our local PBS channels called SunUp. It's also available online on YouTube. Um, I watch SunUp almost every week. I like the insights they give. I like the market forecast and analysis and the tips they provide. However, I don't see much for regenerative ag. I'm hoping that changes in my day job. I'm not working in ag. I haven't been to Stillwater lately to see what's happening there. Maybe one of our listeners can chime in. Send me a message if you know more about it. The last conference I went to that was um, sponsored by a university was at Lincoln University in Jefferson City, Missouri. They had a small ruminant grazing conference. I really enjoyed it, and that was the first time I heard Greg Judy speak. I'd already read his books at that time, and I was pretty excited to hear him speak. Edward, I apologize for not having a better answer to your question, but I do appreciate your question. You're listening to the Grazing Grass Podcast, helping grass farmers learn from grass farmers. And as always, we appreciate you listening and encourage you to share this episode with someone who might find it valuable. Also, leave a comment, review, any or all of the above. And as always, keep on grazing. I really hope you enjoyed today's conversation. I know I did. Thank you for listening. And if you found something useful, please share it. Share it on your social media. Tell your friends. Get the word out about the podcast. Helps us grow. If you happen to be a grass farmer and you'd like to share about your journey, go to grazinggrass.com and click on Be Our Guest. Fill out the form and I'll be in touch. We appreciate your support 
by sharing our episodes and telling your friends about it. You can also support our show by buying our merch. We get a little bit back from that. Another way to support the show is by becoming a Grazing Grass Insider. Grazing Grass Insiders enjoy bonus content, monthly Zooms, and discounts. You can visit the website, grazinggrass.com, click on support, and they'll have the links there. Also, if you haven't left us a review, please do. It really helps us as people are searching for podcasts. And I was just checking them, and we do not have very many reviews for 2024. So if you haven't left us a review, please do. Until next time, keep on grazing grass.